I'm Don Kennedy, your host of the Profit Accelerator Podcast. I'm an attorney, author, mentor, and CEO of a growing coffee company. Thanks for joining me on the show that looks at all aspects of business from the mindset to the sales to the money left over at the end of the month with tips and strategies to help you navigate this amazing ride called entrepreneurship. Thanks for making us part of your journey. Hello, and welcome to this very special 100th episode of the Profit Accelerator Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and so honored that you have tuned in and grateful whether this is the first episode you've ever listened to or if you've ever listened to any others or if you binged all 100. I want you to know that I'm incredibly grateful because only about 10% of podcasts actually ever produce 100 episodes. So when I saw that statistic, I thought about, wow, all right, this is a pretty impressive milestone and very important to me. We had some breaks over the first couple of years. My podcast originally launched in December of 2020, but in 21 and in 22, I had these long breaks of a couple of months at a time due to, you know, needing uh, time to work on the coffee roastery and some consulting and other things. And I didn't really have the time to edit, but guess what? I have a new production staff that's in place and we have been publishing every single week and here we are episode 100. So the Profit Accelerator podcast exists to help you with all areas of your business. As entrepreneurs, it's incredibly brave to start a business and it takes a lot to stay motivated and focused. And it isn't all just about your numbers or your inventory or your services. We also have health, mindset, sales, what the economy is doing, success stories, tips, strategies, we have tried to cover the whole range of things that can affect you, your business, and your profitability. So today, I just wanted to step back and thank you again for listening. And I wanted to bring in some clips from the top three episodes we have ever published. And coming in at number three, this is a great episode with my friend Leanna Gant. It's actually from October of 2021. It's episode 35 where she's talking about what it took to win a Walmart contract. She has a product that she developed when she had a breast cancer diagnosis and needed to remember to take all of her medications during chemo. So she started these great little medication reminder labels called Took Take. And now she's a great company that is doing great things. She has several different product lines. And yes, she won a Walmart contract. And she talked a little bit about that back with us in October of 21. So here is a clip from our third most popular episode, Leanna Gant. With Walmart, it was really interesting because with most stores, we, you know, we have to track down what buyer it is for our department. And it's a lot of legwork and it's really hard to even find the right person. And then once you do, it's, you know, just a lot of trying to get them to actually respond. Walmart has a thing called Open Call USA that they started a few years ago. And I read article about it and I just happened to read it right when they were taking um, applicants. So you can apply for Open Call USA. And if they select you to proceed, they actually set up a half an hour meeting with your buyer. I guess it's normally in person, but this year it was on Zoom, which was good for us because we're in California. So I didn't have to even travel for it. But um, yeah, we had a half an hour meeting with our buyer and they're really great. They do a lot of um, like webinars before the actual meeting to tell you like what they expect and show you examples of like presentations. And so you can, if you 
listen to everything they say to do. It's really easy because you know exactly what they're looking for. So I presented Tick Take and I answered all of their questions and just really um, was super excited to be meeting with them. And I think that showed because then the buyer had said she really wanted to stock Tick Take, but they'd already closed. They call them mods like their section and a lot of sections I didn't know until we started doing this they only redo the section once a year so the section we are in pharmacy is normally done in October and they had already closed their planning like financials and everything for October so she's like okay we won't be able to carry you until October 2022 and I was still thinking that's a great win like we have a year to get ready no problem I'm super excited we're going to be at Walmart And we got off our call and she said, you know, she'd be in touch with more information. And then she called back like five minutes later and said she ran down the hall and talked to her supervisor and they decided to redo their entire mod, stick us in for this year. But we were going to get one month less of planning than everybody else normally does. Were we okay with that? So I just said yes, (laughs) because... Seemed like a good idea. So we said yes, and they slot us, slotted us in for this October. So it all happened really fast, and it was super exciting. So um, let's let's also back this up a little bit. And yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> how prestigious this is. How many people responded to open call? They said that this year they had 14,000 applicants across all market, like anything that could be sold in Walmart. Okay. And then they set up, I think it was 900 people got meetings. So that's everything, food, clothes, at, you know, every right. department. So you went from 14,000 products to 900 meetings. How many of you were actually selected in the final interviews there? You know, I don't know that they've released that. I think the year before they said they brought on about 300 products. Um, I'm not sure if they've said what they did this year. They have a goal. Um, to bring on, I think it's like 10,000 US made products in the next like five years or something like that. So they're really, they're trying really hard. So, but the prestige of going from 14,000 applications to being one of maybe 500, that is a huge congratulations. I just want to impress to my audience 14,000 applicants. To get to be one of, you know, 500 at the most, probably 300, that must have been huge. And how were you feeling going into that? I was really excited. Obviously, I was excited to get the meeting because it's really hard to get a meeting with the Walmart buyer. Um, So to have them coordinated and like know I was talking to the right person was huge. I think, though, at the end of the day, it's like any other presentation, it doesn't matter if I'm talking to like the little pharmacy down the street or Walmart. I love my product and I really want to get it into people's hands, not just as a company, but I really think it helps people. And it's so exciting to know that I'm helping people. So I think that being excited about what I'm doing helps because, you know, she, the bar was smiling the whole time and, you know, really just excited to hear about Took Take. So it made it really fun and not not really nerve wracking. It was more after the fact. I was like, oh my gosh, what did I disagree to? All right. So now what was our number two most popular episode? It actually had to do with brand management and how important it is to have a brand management plan in your company, particularly if you have people who work for you uh, either as employees or they come in and they work with you on contracts. But Marie Miller is a friend of mine. She's an amazing marketer. She's been at it for decades and 
She had the number two episode and it was in February of 2022 that she brought us this amazing information about what a brand management plan is and why it's so important to have one in your business. So here is a clip from Marie from her brand management plan episode, episode 41. So a brand management plan actually does several things. If you're a nonprofit or if you have a board of advisors or if you are a mom and pop startup, the reason you would have a a business management plan is to identify who's managing your brand online. So who has access to that Facebook page? Who has the ability to update websites? What are their roles and responsibilities, right? Because We know that as entrepreneurs, sometimes we can't do it all and we've got to tap some people in to take care of certain things. Well, if these people are one-time workers or part-time, they may not necessarily be as in tune with the brand. So they've got a guideline that they can follow as well on on how to be online, how to to respond. Um, When I develop brand management plans, I have the, the dashboard of who's doing what, how to get a hold of them because, you know, we live in a, a an age of remote working. The person that uh, may be managing your social media may be in Wisconsin and your office may be in Florida. So how do you get a hold of them? What platforms are we on? So maybe Marie's insurance company is on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And here's the username and here's the password. And Here's again, who all has access to it. And here's the vibe that we have on this platform. So for Facebook, our goal is to identify um, and engage with our customer. And Instagram, we're showing how cool it is to work here. On LinkedIn, we're appealing to other professionals. So each one of these platforms has their own initiative. We talk about goals In this brand management plan, which breaks it down to social platform, we talk about measurables. So in this plan, okay, it's great to be on social, but what are you going to do? What is your what is your goal? What is your objective? What is your plan? And how are you going to tell that it's working? So the brand management plan really needs to include um, how often you're going to pull analytics and see how your your initiatives are moving forward. And then after the measurement side of things, you know, you can go in. um, Sometimes it just depends on if this exists for a customer or not. But there are times where I'll mix a brand standard in with a brand management plan. And before you ask, a brand standards document is the document that has all of your logos, proper usage, all of your colors that you need for offset printing and online and embroidery. It can go as far as picking thread color. So whoever is handling your marketing can know what colors to tell the embroiderer. So if you have aprons or t-shirts or whatever, it's literally the the Bible for your business. It is what you should look like, how you should sound, and how you, what your goals are and how you're going to measure it. Yeah, this is so intensive. I, I'm going to tell you the analogy that first popped in my head when you started talking about this was the babysitter gets this thing that says, this is when they get fed and this is how much formula they get. And Tuesdays is when they go to soccer and Thursdays is when they go to dance class. Right. And you have this, this is our baby. And this is how we take care of the baby. Because I think in some ways it is just as precious 
to take care of your business that way. And I know the analogy is probably ridiculous, but it's the first no. thing in my head is this, this kind of this map of this is our entity. This is our baby. And this one thing has to be cared for by all these different people in a very similar same way to make sure it's being nurtured properly. Exactly. And, and in this brand management plan, depending on how far the brand is developed, you can even put in uh, samples of what good design looks like so people know, oh, I need to stick around this. Because as a, as a marketing professional, I know that my dream is to create your brand, tell you how to use your brand, and then also continue on and help you create those marketing pieces to meet those goals. But sometimes people just use me for strategy. And sometimes people just want to work with me to develop the brand and they're going to execute everything else by either themselves or um, maybe they have a family member that's in marketing or graphic design. And, and I support that as long as we have a system of that brand standard, brand management, brand voice, because then we know whoever is helping has a guideline. Um, and and it's it's totally it's totally freeing, I think, for the business owner. If if they have those guides, they're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is my map. All right. And what was our number one most downloaded and listened to episode of all time? Well, it was James M. Powell. He has an amazing episode on the science of intuition. And it's interesting. I wasn't sure when we were first designing the episode that we would be able to design it in such a way that we were able to bring in the information that you needed as an entrepreneur who maybe didn't have much in the way of alignment or spirituality in your journey, but we wanted to really delve in and talk about things like your business gut and how we really do actually have intuition, even if we don't understand it. And a lot of us have really learned how to follow it. And some of us needed some ideas about how to tune in. So our number one episode of all time was episode 40. This was James M. Powell back in January of 2022 with his amazing, very popular, still downloaded today episode, The Science of Intuition. We go to school to figure out how to develop the metrics and the data, how to collect it, how to read it how to use it to make those quote unquote sound decisions. This is how bankers decide who gets the money. This is how all those things happen. So tell us, why don't we learn about tapping into our intuition in these places like business school when it is such a, an important part of making these very these, these great business moves? Because it's touching on the topic of spirituality and that human beings are essentially spiritual in nature and that the world has been run uh, the Western world, especially, has been run for decades on the theory of evolution and and the idea that there is no ultimate source to life uh, or spiritual side to life, which uh, science is now actually catching up and actually clearly indicating through the mathematics that there is. And in, in a evidence-based approach, not based on uh, fanciful theory, but that's what I base a lot of my understandings on rather than beliefs. I, I really don't like belief. I like to figure out what works and apply that and, and learn through experience. And at least the internal logic of a system needs to be to be sound as well. It's one of the first things I look for. And because intuition touches upon the spiritual side of, of human nature, it hasn't really been delved into this area of uh, human application like business where it, it, for a long time it's been run on just numbers analysis and metrics and stuff and that can get you 
to qualify. And if you can make a decision using an analysis, you should do so. But uh, there are times, in fact, the, the most successful decision, the most important ones that are life-changing, uh, really radically change the trajectory and takes you from high achiever to a world-class achiever. Uh, that, those are always intuition. And that's in the words of those who have achieved it. So let's dive into intuition. Where does it come from? What is it? And why do we need to have it? Yeah, going off what you just said, intuition is not guesswork. I just want to get that out there. It's about making informed decisions with our intuition and being able to gather actionable intelligence from uh, additional sources. Uh, intuition is a sense. It's not a, a thing we communicate with in terms of like a guide here or a spirit guide or whatever. It's more like the sense of touch and sight and smell. It's a, a sense of sensory uh, faculty that we can use to perceive and interpret additional sources of information uh, just in a similar way that we have instinct that we we usually we can attribute animals as having instincts that's uh that's another level like a higher kind of a sixth sense for animals in a way it's uh it's a way that they can filter through all all of the information that's coming to them which does not require them to be in physical contact with the source of that information so like things like when you your sense of uh taste you need to be in contact with it, a sense of a sound you need to be in, in contact with the sound waves which is a physical uh experience as well you know to touch it's all about being in direct communication with it but intuition comes when you connect with information the source of the information that you're not actually in physical contact with what is the way that we tap back into intuition i always encourage my clients to make sure that they're in alignment with themselves but how can i encourage them to make sure that they're tapping into themselves when they're making decisions based on anyone's advice, including their own. Yeah, that, that's another excellent question. And, and and I love what you said about having evidence because using intuition, like we said earlier, is not about guesswork, but it's about making informed decisions. And to, to make an informed decision using intuition, it, we need to be able to trust our intuition and trust what we're, we're sensing and be able to make, make sense of it. So one strategy I, I give to my clients is to use intuition on a daily basis for small, seemingly insignificant decisions. For example, if you're walking down the street and you have a, a choice of whether to go left or right, when you're at the fork in the road and you, you choose to go one way or the other, you know you're going to get to your destination anyway, no matter which direction you go. But in that moment, you can use your intuition to make a split-second decision of which way to go. And it's training yourself, using your intuition to ask a question, receiving an answer, and then just putting that into action immediately and regardless of the outcome, you're not even thinking, not, not intellectualizing the outcome at all. You just ask, get the response, and then you put it into action. I'm an extremely intellectual guy. And I, I've interviewed Dr. John D. Martini on my podcast, on, on the Spirituality Podcast and, and others. But also, I really, in terms of intellectual conversation, I really enjoyed my conversation with Dr. John D. Martini. It really satisfied my, uh, me intellectually as, as well as artistically. It's really really beautiful human being as are like all my guests on my, my podcast are really awesome human beings <laughs> so the way to stop or be able to self-control our intellectualizing is by understanding its place in the intuitive process so a major part of my my coaching is in in education and helping my clients understand the the correct place for intellectualizing and and how that relates to everything else so so within uh, the human being, you, we have we have neurons in our brain, obviously. Okay, these being measured, you've got uh, you can measure the brain waves using electrocenograph, you know, electrodes on the skull, and we also have neurons in the heart. 
and we also have neurons in the gut. Okay, so our brain or our consciousness is essentially a three-part system. And the brain is not the predominant organ in that three-part system that the heart is. The heart produces the strongest and largest electromagnetic field of all of the organs in the body. And in terms of electrical information that they communicate, the heart sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. And in experiments that have been performed where technology has been used to sense this, uh, this communication of information, the heart perceives things in advance before something happens. So in these experiments, they showed images on the screen of a nice image or an unpleasant image. And obviously those images would elicit genuine emotional responses in the subject. And they found that the heart was able to perceive because based on it, on its, uh, the coherency of the, of the electromagnetic field, they, uh, which is associated either with a, a distraught experience or uh, enjoyable experience, the heart perceives those images before they're shown. And then that information, electrical information from the heart goes to the brain where we intellectualize it. So intuition is in the heart. You can perceive things in advance. Intuition. And then it goes to the brain where you intellectualize it, which is a normal process, right? We're supposed to make sense of what we intuit. Uh, but then that information from, from the intellect, where we, we reason and make sense of what we've intuited, that, then, that information then goes to the gut, which is where our instinct is. And that's where we put it into action. And so it goes to intuition, intellect, and instinct. And so by understanding the intellect in, in that process, we can understand that it's not the predominant function, but it's a secondary role that's complementary to our intuition and prior to putting that information into action. So I want to thank you again for tuning in, whether this is episode one for you or if this is episode 100, no matter where you are on your journey, this podcast exists to support you and walk with you. And I'm really looking forward to giving you 100 more. Take care and I'll talk to you next time on the Profit Accelerated Podcast. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Profit Accelerated Podcast. If you want some more information about me, or free resources, please visit my updated website, donkkennedy.com. Follow me on social at donkkennedyxo on Instagram and on Facebook at donkkennedymentor. I'll see you next time.